feel like I'm on Mount Zion this morning. I'm doing everything. <laughs> Our text this evening is going to be in uh, the book of John in chapter 8. And uh, I know a lot of you know John Sueno that preaches up at uh, Medina. Him and I do this podcast together and uh, this this is the time of year we do a whole year's worth of podcasts in about three months. So we get together once a week and we we record two hours or four episodes of this podcast each week. And I end up doing a lot of studying about, you know, whatever we're talking about at that time. One of the things we talked about recently was this John chapter 8. And this section here in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31 struck me as, man, there's a lot in here, and it's just a few verses. So it's verse 31 through verse 36. I'm going to read that. We're going to pull three points out of it. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say... You will be made free. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And the first thing I notice in here is that he talks about belief. Because in verse 31, he says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. And you know, we talk about belief a lot of times. And we also talk about something else that's real similar to it called faith. If you look up in a direct dictionary and you look them two words up and, and see what the definitions are, they're almost exactly the same. Belief is trust, faith, or confidence in something. That's the definition of belief. And faith is complete trust, faith, or confidence in something or someone. Very, very similar things. I kind of put them in the same box. Faith and belief, they're basically the same. They basically mean the same thing. And it ends up being that this is a requirement to be a Christian, right? We have to have this thing. Um, this idea of faith in God... The thing I wanted, the first thing I want to talk about about this is that this isn't an idea that mankind came up with. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this thing. Up. That thing annoys me. <laughs> so the first thing we we got to understand is faith is not something that man came up with, because it's just to think of. To think of something like this, this this story that's written in the Bible is just beyond the reasoning of man. The kinds of things men think up are typically, uh, you know, their own theories of how everything got here. Let's look at First uh, Corinthians one twenty one. I think illustrates this idea. First Corinthians chapter one. In verse 21, 
He says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And he said that he said that the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Mankind didn't invent this Bible and this story that's contained in it. In fact, it, you don't have to you don't have to go look very far and I, and I've used this example before but Joe and I were talking about uh what are some of those books like uh, the little house on the prairie you know, people a lot of people have read that book or uh uh what's the other one about Anna Green Gables and there's a ton, tons of other books out there where the original author wrote a certain amount of these books and then they passed away and then, since they were such good sellers, some other author decided to write more books about that story. But the books that are written after the original books don't seem to read the same, right? They don't follow the story the same way. Uh, and that's because they came out of a different mind. When you read the Bible, it doesn't read... When you read Paul's writing in Corinthian... It doesn't read different than Moses' writing in Exodus. You can, you can tell that the same mind revealed it. And that's what's weird about the Bible. That's the thing that ought to build your faith. When you read the Bible, then you notice that it was written by the same mind. And it was written over 2,500 years. And folks, that's impossible. That's impossible without God, right? You couldn't, that couldn't be done. This wasn't something invented by mankind. It was something that came from the mind of God, a thing that would build our faith or our belief. What is that belief supposed to be in? Well, let's look over in 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13, it says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. The thing that our faith is really built on is the resurrection of Jesus. Because if that's not true, then what are we doing here? But if that is true, well, then we better figure some things out, right? The idea that Jesus was crucified, and then the three days later he rose from the dead, that lets us know that that's a thing that happens. We're, we are resurrected from the dead. We can be brought back to life, and that's the basis for our belief. So when we're talking about the, the, this idea that there were, you know, uh, John's writing about certain Jews that believed, they believed that Jesus was the Son of God the same way we would today. And let's look at one more passage here. Let's look at Acts chapter 8. The interesting thing about belief is, is belief has to be more than just you know, a mental thing, right? So, um, 
I don't know. I don't know a good example to explain this, but you know, there are there are beliefs that we have that maybe we don't uh, we don't follow. But a belief in Jesus is a belief that's going to lead us to action. So Acts chapter eight and verse twelve, uh, it's talking about Simon the sorcerer. So he was a fellow that uh, he's he's in this this area where uh, where they were preaching at, and Philip's there, and everybody is really looking up to Simon because he does all sorts of magic, different things. And then Philip comes, and Philip isn't doing magic; he's doing the real thing. And you know, uh, we all know what the real thing looks like, right? Whenever, whenever we see something that's fake and something that's real, we all recognize it. Lots of things are kind of like that. You ever seen real leather and fake leather? When you see the real leather, you know the real thing. We, we know, we know that all the time. The only exception to that would be luncheon meat, right? See, Megan and I like spam, but we never buy the main brand. We get the Hormel kind. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> but but other times we know we know what the real thing is. And and when Philip's doing these miracles, it's the real thing. They see this as as, as a real thing. So verse twelve it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And then Simon himself believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. The thing I want to point out is, is when they believed, they did the thing that they were told to do. That's why it says, when they believed, they were baptized. We don't know what Philip preached to him, do we? doesn't say. What do we know he, what, what's one of the things we know he talked about? Baptism. Right, because why else would they be baptized? Yeah, <laughs> he talked about salvation. He had to have, because there's no other reason. There's a lot of a lot of examples when you study cases of conversion. So think about the uh, the jailer. You know, so Paul and Silas talked to the jailer, and then him and his household were baptized. Well, we don't know what they talked to the jailer about, but we do know one thing they talked about. Right? A lot of times you have to you have to kind of like. Use a little basic logic to figure these things out. Let's go back to John. John chapter 8. He says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, he says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Well, abiding is something that we have to do. Abiding is to act in accordance with a rule, decision, or recommendation. That's what it means to abide in something. We do that with the law, right? We abide in the law. If we don't, we go to the pokey, right? We don't want to go there. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look over there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. He talks about this idea of abiding. Oh, we're going to look at like four different verses here, and they all talk about this idea of abiding. He says, stand fast. Well, that sounds like abiding, doesn't it? Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty which Christ has made us free, and do not get entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you became circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again that every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. 
He says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Here's the point I want to make about this. So, he tells them that they need to stand fast in the faith. And their problem is, is they're trying to head back into the old law. They want to try to keep the things that they used to keep. And I can understand that because when you've lived with something your whole life, you know, it's hard to change your whole mode of thinking into something new. But he's telling them, he goes, they can't do that. And he says, he says, when they became estranged from Christ, they fell from grace. And the idea is, is when they quit abiding in the teaching of Christ, they became not part of God's family. They become estranged. And that's not good. Now, I don't think we have too many problems with that today, but we have problems. We don't have problems with uh, people trying to keep the old law, I should say. But we have people that follow after things that they ought not to be involved in, right? People... I, I, you know, today is muzzle, part of the muzzle loading season, right? That started, I think, did it start yesterday, Jim? Saturday, yeah, and it goes for like four days. And uh, instead of coming here tonight, I could have went hunting, right? Nothing wrong with going hunting, is there? The problem is, is I when I when I do that and I put that ahead of being in the services. When I put that ahead of God, basically, and we can turn anything, any activity that we like to do into something else that we can fall after. And then we're not abiding. We've got to be careful with those things. It doesn't take, it, is, it, it isn't too far of a leap to just walk away from the faith. And people do that. I, you see it all the time. See it all the time. So this idea of abiding is something we have to continue in. So let's look at Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 in verse um, 18. So in this passage here, uh, there's a group of Gentiles and they're kind of getting a little bit of an attitude. They're thinking they're they're pretty awesome, and they're kind of you know thinking that the Jews are wrong and they're right now. And uh, he says, "Do not boast against the branches." He's talking about the Jews. He says, "But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you." You will say, "Then branches were broken off that I might be grafted in." And that's kind of what as the Gentiles were were grafted into God's family. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell, severity, but toward you goodness, he says, if you continue in his goodness. Some people teach that that once you're saved, you can't be lost. But clearly, the Bible does not teach that. In fact, that would be a really weird religion. You know, if we could, if we could attain salvation 
but then we could go do all sorts of any kind of sinful thing we wanted, and we would still maintain that salvation. That wouldn't, I mean, for one thing, that just wouldn't be fair. That's not right, even by human standards. Certainly not right by God's standards, and, and the Bible does not teach that idea. We all all have to abide in Christ in order to maintain that relationship with him. We can't walk away from the faith. <clears throat> Another passage that illustrates this idea is in Revelation chapter 21. Starting in verse 6, it said, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give you of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. And he says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have a part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The thing I want to point out there is it says, he who overcomes. right? And that that's that same idea of abiding, or that same idea of, of keeping in the, in the good graces of God. How do you do that? Is that, the, is that the big question? How do you do that? It's really not that tough. We, we all go through life, and none of us are perfect, and sometimes we make mistakes, and when we make mistakes, we have to repent of those things, which just means we have to go to God in prayer and just say, God, I messed up. Please forgive me. And then we go on and try not to do that thing again. That's just the idea of repentance. And we go through our life, and as you go through life doing that, you tend to make less and less mistakes, or at least you ought to, right? <laughs> I think we all go through periods where we make more a, a series of mistakes, and we're we're like, "What am I doing? How did this happen?" And we got to get back on track, and that's the idea of overcoming. We just got to keep pulling ourselves back into the right way. Another. Scripture that talks about this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is my favorite one of these. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I keep turning past it. So this is Paul. Verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should also become disqualified. And I always thought, if Paul was worried about keeping himself in subjection, well, it's something I ought to have a concern about too, right? We need to make sure that, you know, we're, we're keeping ourselves along that straight and narrow path. Let's go back to John chapter 8, and i got one more point here. Well, we got two more scriptures to read. Verse 33, he says, well, verse 32, he says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the Jews were confused by that. They said, uh, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. 
Were the Jews ever in bondage to anybody? Yeah, yeah. What's the big one? Babylon. Well, well that's, well, that's not the one I was thinking of, but that's a good one. Who else? Egypt. Egypt. That's the one I was thinking of. Or Assyria, Persia. At, at that time, they were really kind of in bondage to Rome. I think it's funny that they answered that way. But what the Jews were doing, I guess, is, is a, a thing that happens throughout, especially the four Gospels. The Jews were talking about worldly things, and Jesus is talking about spiritual things. So they, he, he talks about freedom, and they're thinking they were in bondage. They were as slaves to some other nation. But he's not talking about it. He's talking about sin. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in a house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And the idea is, is the truth makes us free from this yoke of sin. And <clears throat> when we get involved in sin and we let that live in our, in our lives and, and, and we kind of let it have a rule over us, we become a slave to that thing. Think about somebody who's addicted to drugs or addicted to pornography. Or somebody who just can't stop lying. I know I, I've worked with several people that that just couldn't. It just like seems like they couldn't tell the truth. It's like they wanted to, but they couldn't. We can get you get in a habit of sin, and it just takes over everything. And we all know we all know people that this has happened to. We know we know that this is a thing. One of the things that can get us kind of on the wrong track when we talk about sin is putting our faith in things that aren't from God. And uh, I like the one that you hear all day is, uh, I believe in science. You ever hear that? <laughs> and then like later, the science has proved that it was wrong. So you believe in something that was wrong. I I don't believe in science. I believe in God. That's where I'm going to put my faith at. But this is not a, a new thing. So if we look in 2 Peter chapter 2, it's funny that, that things that went on 2,000 years ago still go on today. And nothing at all has changed. Humans are still the exact same way that they've always been. Sometimes I think, you know, we, we think we've evolved, but we haven't. We're exactly the same as people have always been. Second Peter chapter 2, Peter is addressing some false teachers that are there. And this is what he tells them. In verse 17, he says, These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. He says, For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. 
For by whom a person is overcome, by him he is also brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness and having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. That's something that was going on then. It's something that's going on right now. And the thing that I think about this, so he talks about this this idea of um, people turning to something that is corrupt in this idea that that this is going to bring them liberty is I, I think about all of this crazy sexual stuff that's going on today, which where I'm talking about LGBTQ, XYZ, blah, 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 whatever it is. Or, or uh, what is it? Is it transsexual? Is that what, what is it? What is that called? Transgender. Yeah. There aren't three sexual organs. There aren't three. Right? There's two. I like to say you've either got an innie or an outie. So one of those two. So there can't be a trans. There can't be a third one. But people teach this thing and they get these people to have these surgeries and take hormone pills and all of these different things with the promise that, oh, you're going to be who you really are. This promise of liberty. And it's all a lie. It's all a lie. These people are miserable. I mean, it's it's a sad situation that 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 this group of people has lied to this other group of people, and they've they've taken the bait, hook, line, and sinker. And there's lots of things in the world that are like that. You know, we talk about the wisdom of men. That's the thing that gets people in trouble. You know, we, we think we know more than God. So it's the same way. And, and so the, the, the other part of this that I think is worth considering is he talks about that the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. And that seems a little confusing. Why would they, Then he says it would be better if they had not known the way of righteousness. Well, this is what I think about that. This is my this is my my thoughts on this. They may not be correct, but this is my thoughts. If you are the type of person you have you have become a Christian, you have turned away from sinful things. You're trying to live a righteous life, and then something happens that causes you to reject that. You're going to be worse than you were when you started. Because now you're going to go way deep down the, the hole of sin. Because, you know, you, you've totally rejected everything of God. And I think that's what he's getting at. You know, people who, who have rejected, you know, God's rule, they, they've turned away from it, and then they've really gotten involved in things, and they, and they end up being worse than when they were first converted. And I think that's what he means by that. You've got to be careful about those things. As Christians, you know, we we are supposed to be people who have died to sin. And our last scripture this evening is in Romans chapter 6, and he talks about this idea. 
of being dead to sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, and bringing it back around to what Jesus is saying in John chapter 8. You know, we became Christians, and we were supposed to be turning away from sin. And we need to make sure that we continue on that path. We were, we were baptized for the remission of our sins. Right? We were forgiven of those things. Don't turn back to them. We're supposed to be dead to them. If there's anyone this evening who has not been baptized, uh, I believe there is water in there. Is there water in there, Rick? No? We'll fill it up. <laughs> we'll fill it up. If somebody this evening needs to be baptized, we would love to help you. If somebody in here needs prayers... Uh, we would love to pray for you. So if anybody has a need, I'd ask you to come forward while we stand and while we sing. Number 197, Nothing But the Blood.